Welcome to Running It Back, the Lessons Learned from Sports podcast. I'm Mike Palmer, joined as always by Tarlin Ray. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Naomi Osaka, some of the reasons why she's been in the news lately in 2021, and we're going to run it back to the U.S. Open Women's Finals in 2018 and dive in with some depth. But before we get to any of that, Tarlin, what's going on? I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be spending more time with you. I don't think I say that enough. So in this season that we're, we've hit June, we're coming up to the summer solstice, the longest day in the year. I hope you take full advantage of hopefully there's some sun yeah. in, in your neck of the woods. I'm grateful. Yeah. yeah. I, I also, and I promise a shout out to one of our listeners mm. and someone who has been kicking my butt since December the guy who has been not only my part PT, but my trainer, Mike Barry, Body by Barry. And I give him a lot of crap during our training sessions. I may throw out multiple F-bombs and tell him that no one likes him. <laughs> but I will, in this episode, say that I'm grateful for someone pushing me and help me get through over my mental hurdles as I'm coming back from injury. So I, I'm in a very grateful mood and yeah. excited to be here with you. Yeah. And it sounds like you have uh, a couple of mics in your life who push you to be better uh, as in, you in continue post. to <laughs> flourish. But speaking of uh, flourishing, the Naomi Osaka news was really striking on a lot of uh, fronts where she pulled out of the French Open pretty suddenly from the external perception and mainly uh, in response to a kerfuffle, would you call it a kerfuffle that she yeah. was having with uh, a, lot of F, a lot of Fs in that word, a lot of Fs in kerfuffle. And there's at least one F in the French Open, although in this case, maybe more than one. But the, she was not a, a, appearing at press conferences because she has a history of depression and other sort of challenges that she's faced in her life. And these press conferences are emotionally draining and she wanted to just focus on the tennis so she decided to skip the press conference and there were fines that began and eventually she decided to withdraw and that drove a lot of response both defending her actions and also being very critical of her actions and we thought that was really relevant in a number of different ways, but then we also wanted to tie that back to the relatively recent history. I think this might be the most recent run back that we've done to just 2018 when Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams were playing in the U.S. Open finals. And it's a very storied, very difficult to watch match, tremendous tennis, but we wanted to use this as uh, an example as a place to draw lessons from. And where did you want to go with this? What, what are your initial thoughts? And then we can go wherever it makes sense. Yeah, so just the simplest. So the French Open's going on. I'm assuming it's that time of year. So Nadal will just win another one and mm. we're, we're off and running on the men's side. He'll un untuck himself su successfully enough. Deep tennis take for those deep, of you who, who are fans. So I think Osaka was doing something that she thought was pretty non-controversial, which is using her platform, which at her age and her generations, which you've talked about generations a lot in the past, mm -hmm. was a way for her not to stick her thumb in the eye 
mm-hmm. of the, the governing body or the Roland Garros was just saying, listen, it's really challenging for me to follow a match, whether it's I played well or I'm uh, after a loss and have to field the questions. Yeah. I understand that I'm going to take a fine, but for myself, I'm mm-hmm. putting myself first. I'm willing to take the fine. Yeah. I hope that they will donate the money I contribute to mental health issues. Cause she's basically saying I have some mental health issues mm-hmm. and I'm going to focus on tennis. Yeah. And read a ton of articles. And I don't take this as a real power play in the way that she approached it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has all the leverage in the world. She earned $55 million last year. Yeah. So if she's doing the math and it's a substantial fine of $15,000, yeah. I'm going to pay the fine. But she was surprised at how much backlash she took. Mm-hmm. And it was a very terse statement from um, French Open, but also all of the majors follow a similar um, requirement for athletes, all athletes showing up for the media. Yeah. And media appearances. So it's fascinating to see the response. Now, I did look at and I found some questions, but I here are the type of questions that athletes, some black athletes, Coco Graf, a young 17-year-old woman, have gotten at press conferences. Yeah. She was about to play Serena Williams. Let's read this. You're often compared to the Williams sisters. Maybe it's because you're black, but I guess it's because you're talented and American too. Anyways, you could have a final between you and Serena. Do you hope for it? 22 years separate you girls. That's a press conference. That's a media moment. So imagine not having that and dealing with just asinine questions, but having people trying to pick apart what Naomi's doing on the court. And she just wants to focus on the sport. Yeah. So we often then want to draw parallels to probably will go down as one of the best post-game media guys, media athletes ever in Marshawn Lynch. Yes. Marshawn Lynch, required by the NFL to show up for media appearances, will say, I'm just here so I don't get fun. Yeah. Every question. And then ask another asinine question. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. So Naomi could take that tact. Mm-hmm. And we have actually seen other athletes follow the Marshawn Lynch mode. And Rashid, and- famously, both teams played hard. Rashid Wallace, both teams yeah. played hard. And we're going to be talking about Rashid when we talk about uh, the Malice in the Palace as well. So shout out to Sheed, who I also hear is a fellow podcaster. But uh, both teams played hard. Also, he's famous for ball don't lie, but that's a separate point. But anyway, yes, many folks have gone the path of you can avoid go the, the fine. Of, of avoid the fine and just mm-hmm. show up. You can go the path of Bill Belichick yeah. and literally mumble and say. Yeah. No. Uh, Greg Popovich, Popovich Greg famous for just un- cringe-worthy. I'm talking to you, but I will make everybody feel terrible, including and, myself. And I'm going to make the person who's interviewing me as uncomfortable everybody. as the, possible. The, the viewer himself, his family, the reporter, the reporter's family, everybody's uncomfortable. So instead of that, Naomi yeah. is willing to unmat and say, here is why I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Because it, it is personally, it has a personal impact on me mm-hmm. and my mental health. 
Mm -hmm. And the reaction, not only from Roland Garris early on and from people was pretty, pretty harsh. Yeah. Just quick clarification. Is Roland Garros like a couple of guys? Is it one guy? What is Roland Garros? I feel like it sometimes is a car. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I should get the Roland Garros watch. Yeah. It's when a... I say it, I then say, is that the French Open? Please let us know. <laughs> we'll, we hit us up on Twitter, running it back, at running it back FM. Please let us know what is Roland Garros. We also may be hitting Can Roland Garros. Can I get that Garros. sandwich? Can I get that sandwich <laughs> in that? It's like a croque madame. Yeah. Yeah, but then, so everything you're saying, I'm right there with you for, and then you add to this, trying to empathize with Naomi in this context, where I think the way you were positioning, it was very empathetic to her, but you add to that, and we'll be sharing all this stuff on our show page at runningitback.fm. There'll be a lot of uh, links to videos and other articles that have come out recently, but if you just think of the experience that she had recently versus her first Grand Slam championship playing her idol, Serena Williams, in 2018. She's finally going to win it. She's playing the best tennis of her life. Serena is playing tremendous tennis on the other side. And trying to win number 24. Trying to win number 24. Shout out to Serena, the GOAT episode, where we talked about her 23rd Grand Slam, the Australian Open, while she was eight weeks pregnant, arguably the the goatiest goat moment that we've talked about on on the show put all that aside with serena she's coming to this she will tie margaret court's record by winning this u.s open and perhaps that's her last slam she could in some ways maybe she wants to then break the record who knows what happens but she's very focused she's playing tremendous tennis osaka wins the first set osaka is up a break in the second set and while Serena is trying to fight back, the umpire, Cesar Ramos, game violation, code violation. She's breaking the rules. Similar, Because he said she was cheating because he took some advice from her coach. From her coach. But it's the same idea around tennis, which is Serena is violating some protocol and then gets into it with this male umpire who really had less experience umpiring uh, the women's game. And it immediately becomes very antagonistic between the umpire and Serena. She gets very defensive. Meanwhile, Osaka, you know, is trying to win her first U.S. Open championship, her first Grand Slam against her idol, and she's playing the best tennis of her life. So that's in Naomi's background. And then beyond that, the way it culminates, so it gets much worse. Uh, I would encourage you to watch it, but be prepared to be emotionally torn by watching uh, the highlights of the 2018 U.S. Open. But it all culminates with Osaka winning after Serena has been penalized a game. Not only gets the code violation, slams a racket. I believe it's called racket abuse. Is that correct? Rack racket abuse. And then has umpire abuse and yeah. loses a game because of still sparring with calling him a thief because he'll never be a cheater and i have a daughter i would never cheat in my life yeah and then this is famously she went through a real health scare around the birth of her her daughter and then this was the rehab on the other side of that and her her daughter was still young the fact that she was able to to get back to that level of tennis coming off having the child coming off a, a, a subsequent health scare where really her life was on the line and, and then figuring out how to raise a daughter and then still compete at this level 
Uh, and it's still an individual sport too. So even beyond the, the Marshawn Lynch's and the Rashid Wallace's, tennis is very different in that it's just you and you're ultimately accountable for everything. But anyway, this is Naomi's first win. And then she's crying throughout the culmination of this, whether it's right at the end when Serena's still berating the umpire and it's just getting really ugly. Naomi is trying to come to terms with a finishing the match. And then during the trophy ceremony, she's crying. Boos are raining down also. Yeah. Yeah. And then Serena famously says, stop booing. This is Naomi's moment, but that was her first win. And then Naomi has to sit for a press conference afterwards where again, these same types of questions like the Coco Groff question are being asked, but then also questions are really trying to provoke an emotional reaction so that we'll continue to see it years later. And we're going to talk- Are you not entertained? As a separate show, we're going to talk about uh, the malice in the palace and a lot of the, the issues that are happening around NBA players. And Kevin Durant famously, Kyrie, are talking about how it's not a circus. Don't treat us like, like zoo animals. But there, there is a certain element of the emotional upheaval of these athletes is part of what makes, you know, quote unquote, great television. And in some ways, their own rights as individuals and as people who are trying to manage their own mental health also as sensitive Gen Z famously is a generation that is struggling with some mental health challenges and to be paraded out there and poked and prodded by the press, you can very much understand where she's coming from. So I think running it back also, it's just, it is really compelling to go back to the 2018 US Open Championship. It's just a very difficult thing uh, to watch. And then for me, it it certainly helped me empathize both with Serena, but then particularly with Naomi in terms of where she is today. It's amazing that she's able to keep her composure. So you talk about Serena being her idol. Her father famously took Naomi and her sister, Mary, and put them through the same regiment that Serena and Venus, Venus would put through. Dad didn't know tennis, but said Richard had the blueprint and followed it to a T and obviously got her daughter to four championships. So as you go back, run it back to that 2018, she's grappling with that. Naomi growing up, her coaches thought that she was standoffish and a diva. And it really wasn't because of that. She rarely... And if you read about her, make eye contact, was famously quiet. And she's an introvert. The 2018, it's amazing that she was, when she's playing tennis, she says she's like a different person. She's not focusing on swinging the idol and she can just play the game. But as soon as it's over, she's the person that she is every day. Raw emotions would rather not be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And the one time that you make it to the top, you make it the pinnacle, you have that dream, you feel like the world is against you. Yeah. Talk about a crushing moment. You mentioned that as a Gen Z generation, that there might be more mental health and anxiety issues coming to light. I think that's exacerbated by technology, social, Mm -hmm. and constant, what is everyone else doing as Mm -hmm. you're propping up idols, false idols yeah. online. Mm-hmm. Whether or not there's more, it probably isn't. It's just there's now a cracking where there's a willingness to be open to the conversation mm-hmm. and to realize that 
because you can't see the injury doesn't mean that someone isn't injured. Yeah. So Naomi gave us a window into who she was. Why will the media continue to poke and prod posts? Because we love the stories. Yes. Why do we love March Madness? It's the story, the mm-hmm. Cinderella story, and the stories you're going to tell about the player. Yeah. Why is Rudy a movie? Why mm-hmm. is Blindside a movie? Why did we do a show on practice? Practice? You're talking to me about practice. Shout out to our Alan Iverson show. Shout out to Alan Iverson. But those moments are shareable. What's not shareable is even in her post US Open press conference in 2018. When they asked what she was going to do to celebrate, she said, I don't know, maybe I'll go home and play video games. Naomi going home and playing video games is not going to go viral. It's she'll be chilling at home. She'll be comfortable in a safe place. Nobody will be poking and prodding her. And she'll be, I'm curious what games she plays, but like it is allowing people that time and especially respecting the introverted uh, and the sensitive athletes, which is something we've talked about. You mentioned Marshawn Lynch, who I think is, is probably has some phobias or at least historically has had some phobias about talking to other people like social phobias and then if you think about Allen Iverson we talked about his how sensitive he was like I think a lot of these athletes are not always really ready to be emotionally raw just generally and then you find them at their most vulnerable moments right after they lose we watch sports in some ways for the emotion and the vicarious emotion. And I will say, looking at the U.S. Open 2018 now, it, it is watching that emotional thing and understanding it and experiencing it with Naomi and Serena now that we have the benefit of some time. I'm glad that I did it. I would encourage people to do it. It's, it is also something in light of George Floyd and some of these other things. Actually understand what it's like, look at this stuff just to experience it, to have the emotional reaction. I think we are living more in that time. So I think we want to almost process something emotional and something about what it means to be human by watching people in these times of, of trouble. But at the same time, it's hugely exploitative. And if the athletes are really responsible for their own paths and and the the balance of power has shifted so much in their direction these days i think increasingly you're going to see them opt out i'm curious where this goes moving forward how will press conferences be treated and how will athletes who choose to break the rules which also ties to kaepernick broke the rules too so it's the same idea where how much freedom is actually granted to the athletes before you crack down And as we shift into maybe the lessons learned side, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in terms of Roland Garros' handling of this. Cesar Ramos, the umpire's handling of the Serena issue was something that clearly could have been managed differently. So a couple of things that are sparking for me. One, watching the 2018 highlights, that was the story. You mentioned George Floyd, the video is a story in itself and you didn't need to interview every single onlooker and bystander to actually write that story. You asked, you, Chrissy Everett, mm-hmm. longtime champ, mm-hmm. she famously saying she was on recently post the controversy saying that it, part of it is the responsibility of players because the media helps build the game. Yeah. Boris Becker said that this could ruin Naomi's career. And I just want to read out MasterCard, Tag Heuer, Nissan Food, Nissan Food, Nissan, 
Nippon Airways, none of them fled. Me, yeah. Nike are all backing her. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be okay, Boris. Yeah. But in terms of who has leverage, if you go back to the, if you remember, it's running back 2016, Jose Batista, game five, ALDS, the famous bat flip, yeah. monster home, home run. It was aggressive. It was one of the more aggressive. It's like a Fernando Tatis bat flip. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of racket abuse. This is bad abuse. Yep. So four, four months later, a reporter approached Jose around spring training and wanted to just talk to him about the bat flip. And instead of giving this the normal two-line answer, I think Jose was one of those guys that also uncorked and really create a new understanding between players and the media and granted players tribune and other sites were starting to come out but he said what i say to you doesn't matter because you're going to write whatever you want to write and so he said i have a direct line of fans and i know what i say will not get misconstrued Mm. he's like i think i got a couple more followers and maybe followers and you probably all the media combined yeah i have bigger reach and so more people are going to listen to what i say with my direct line and so he then proceeded to write an unbelievable narration of what happened that day in his bat flip, all from his voice mm. on Players' Tribune. Mm. This goes to, yes, we're consuming content in a new way. The media in the past, and I still remember those days where I was starved for that for the sports page to come out so I can find out what happened. Yeah. The LA Times sports page is, I think it's half a page now. New York Times Sunday, I'm like, I'm looking for, I don't even know where it is anymore. Right. I still get the physical paper. I, m- I remember reading through the box scores and the, the stat lines, the line by line for each only game. Co- only come out for the NBA, the stats on Tuesday for each team. Every Tuesday, I would have the USA Today. Oh, yeah. Going through mm. the stats for all the NBA players. Yes, yes. And that's why I had the random, you know, I would just read, but random information ahead. But now we don't need that. The yeah. information is there. Yeah. Twitter is there. Naomi was had no thought to go talk to the governing body about her decision because she's just making a decision personally for herself. Yeah. So I think you're seeing, we saw it in 2016. We're seeing in the way that folks are handling the media, but the media is trying to, at times, I'm not saying media is terrible, but to manufacture a story where the story's already been written. Yeah. And so maybe spend time from your position writing about what you saw and asking for those details just to provide richness instead mm. of using the moment in the press conference to have another pressworthy moment. Mm-hmm. Pressworthy moment happened on the field. Yeah. Getting someone to break down, cry, be angry should not be the, the soundbite that you're looking for. Yeah. And it, what's funny when you're saying that the Chrissy Everett thing is, is pretty rich on a number of fronts too. She was actually calling the finals in 2018 with Tom Rinaldi and she was not particularly pro Serena. There's actually been a pretty long history. Chris Everett being critical of Serena, Tom Rinaldi did a wonderful job. And I want to give him a shout out as an example of someone who handled the, the coverage beautifully, but it's very difficult to watch. I found there was a lot to learn from just watching it and reflecting back on it. But I did find that the comment about how the need for this additional press and media coverage and and hype cycle is needed to continue to grow the game, that's so blind 
to what Serena did to get Naomi the $3.8 million check that was handed to her while she was crying mm-hmm. after the U.S. Open in 2018. That battle had been won. Muhammad Ali, in some ways, began and set the precedent and began to win that game many years ago. And and at some point, we're going to need to go back and run it back to to Ali in, in a way that does him justice. And, and actually, it was recently the, the anniversary of, of, of his passing in 2016. But, but I think in many ways, the way in which athletes, particularly black athletes and, and minority athletes, women athletes, have gotten to this level of power and leverage and influence over their own careers is based on things that Ali and Jordan and others have done over the years to get us to where we are today. The playing field is very different, and I'm not sure the tactics that made sense in Chris Everett's day would would even make sense in Serena's day or Naomi's day today. And I just I'm happy to hear that Naomi is taking care of herself. I just want to see her play tennis. That's my biggest takeaway coming out of watching uh, the highlights of 2018 is just when she's playing at an elite level, playing against elite competition. Interestingly, Venus was a 17 seed and Naomi was a 20 seed in that finals. Hmm. People who want to geek out on the tennis, dive into that tournament because it was also a place where the passing of the torch among generations was potentially happening before our eyes in the world of tennis. And that's another narrative that draws us in when watching sports. Something I think we're going to talk about as it relates to to the NBA these days on a subsequent show. But I just think there's a lot to be learned from this. And I think in terms of a role model, where just as Serena was a role model to Naomi, I'm very happy to see Naomi leaning into her role as a, a role model and a, a really a leader among the rising generation of women athletes and athletes of color. And hopefully she's able to, to really do what she's trying to do and take care of herself and come out of this from a position of even greater strength while helping others and while maybe helping to destigmatize uh, mental health concerns. So those are my concluding thoughts. How do you want to wrap this up? Yeah, I want to bring it back to the mental health piece because I still think early on, mental health was really tied to the NFL and concussions mm-hmm. as players were getting their brains scrambled and what the impact is. This is different. And so let's go back to some of the athletes. So now Naomi is on that Mount Rushmore players that are willing to, we got to, instead of four, let's, let's extend it out because there are a few players that have been brave enough to talk about it. But we have the Ronda Rousey's who had defended her UFC title six straight times and got beat by Holly Holm and talked about having suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. You have DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love in, in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan sent out a 3 a.m. tweet saying depression gets the best of me at times. And that sort of just sent a shockwave through the NBA to the point now where the NBA, every team is required to have a mental health specialist mm-hmm. um, on the team, on the roster. Mm-hmm. We had Michael Phelps, decorated Olympian after 28 medals, 23 gold medals, fought depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Posted some, some killer bong rips on social yeah, media. Yeah. But de- really struggling. Yeah. And really got some help in counseling and still came back to 2016. We had Andrew Luck that were tired mm-hmm. the height of his career because he couldn't take the physical pain and the mental, he was mentally exhausted. Yeah. And he had people that were ripping him because they said, 
oh, you're quitting because you can't handle doing the rehab. So I put Naomi in that same camp because if we are light years ahead now in managing physical injuries, ACL tears, Kevin Durant is playing post an Achilles tear. That wouldn't happen 30 years ago. We are now in those early days of understanding mental health. So huge kudos to Naomi for being herself and being able to, willing to share that with the world. Because as you talk about Gen Z, you need more people who have been put on a pedestal and look mm -hmm. like they have a perfect life mm -hmm. to talk to that generation who's getting bombarded with social and bombarded with messaging and media that we never had to deal with. Yeah. So they can figure out how to piece together the world in the way that they should piece it together. So I, I just wanted to celebrate her. And as Venus said, you, you do you, girl. Yeah. And we'll do we and our listeners, you do you. We'll be back again soon. Always fun to run it back. Always a pleasure to run it back with you. These are the high points of my week. Thanks again for your contribution, Tarlin. I appreciate it, man. And we appreciate you, our listeners. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, visit us at runningitback.fm or follow us at runningitbackfm on Twitter. We love to get some lessons learned from sports and we love to hear from our listeners. We'll be back again soon. This is Running It Back. Mm -hmm.